It's a great piece of scripture, which is, leaves me feeling excited. That I have such a great passage that people love so much. It leaves me feeling a bit nervous because you want to do justice to it. You want to speak a new word. You want to be faithful to God's word. So I am going to ask for help, as I always do, but I'm feeling it particularly because it's such a simple, beautiful, and yet deep, true passage. Let's pray. Father God, open your word to us by the power of your spirit, we pray. Lord, maybe we even see it with new eyes, see it for the first time, see the the wonder and the promises of Jesus and help us, Lord, more than anything, to lay hold of those promises and to trust Jesus today. We ask in his name. Amen. When trouble comes, when you get afraid, the big storm last night, maybe. Actually, it was exactly this with a big storm last night. We're driving through Newtown, Erskineville last night, and the storm hit. And it was, I don't know what it was like here, but it was massive there. You could barely see. What do you do? Do you fight on? Can't see. There's water rushing down the rivers. Or, or do you fly, just run away and try and get inside and leave the car abandoned out on the road? Or do you freeze? Oh! We're not going anywhere. It's too hard to drive. Flight, fright, or freeze. You see it in animals. You see a cat and a dog. They come up to one another and it's, uh, they freeze. What's going to happen? Is it going to be a fight? Is it going to be flight? Or will they just stay and freeze and eventually go their own way? It's not just animals, though. We see it in ourselves. Troubles come. Personal relationships. You're going to fight? You're going to run away? Or are you just going to... At work, when you're, when you're processing all the news, what do we do as society? Oh, when I'm on the road, when I'm dealing with the council, do I fight? Do I fly or do I just freeze and hope that it will go away? It's an instinctive response. Part of our nature. A response that, of, to anxiety, a response to fear, a response to threat, because we're concerned about our future and it brings enormous stress. Whichever option you take, there is stress. And we live in a world of enormous stress where anxiety is an overwhelming problem. Now the biggest mental health problem in our country People are trying to decide whether to fly, fight, or freeze, and they're not coping. There's threats everywhere, relational, governmental, material, financial. Sometimes there is a better way than fight, flight, or freeze. We have a cat and a dog, Elvis and Moogie, and when they are together, they're chilled. They trust one another. They'll lie down together. They'll hang out together. They'll sniff one another. They'll play together. Imagine if someone had you 100 metres above the ground, suspended in the air with next to nothing to hold you up. Would you fight, flight, or just freeze? Flight might be dangerous. Unless you were in an aeroplane, 
Because that's what happens. You know what I do when I'm in an airplane? I sit back and I watch a movie. Or I read a book. Or I just get bored. There's no fight, flight or freeze because I've got a better option. I can be hopeful about my future. I can relax because I'm being taken to a destination and I'm confident in the plane and the pilot and all the systems around that. See, there's a fourth option, flight, fight, freeze or faith. Just trust someone to get you through. Trust another for your future if that option's available. And if they are trustworthy, such as the Dreamliner, then chances are your future is secure. And you can relax. And now that's a far better option than the first three. The option of faith. Because it is stress-free. You can literally relax. There's no conflict. In John 14, where Jesus is again displaying his meekness and his majesty. The disciples are under threat. There is stress and anxiety. And it's much, much worse than any of the disciples realized, but they're already stressed. They have come into Jerusalem. Even as they come into Jerusalem, they know we might die here because Jesus isn't liked much in Jerusalem. It's just before the Passover feast. Jesus has a meal with them and he washes all of their feet like something the only the lowest servant would do. And it's kind of weird. And it's like, what's going on here? And he says, one of you will betray me. And they say, who? who, who, who? And Jesus says, Jesus says, I'm going away. I'm going away. And Peter says, no, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'll follow you. And Jesus says, no, you won't. You're going to betray me. You'll disown me, Peter. Love one another, guys. Love one another. What's going on? Peter's ready for the fight. He says, oh, fight, Lord. Judas, he's already fled. Maybe the other ten are just frozen. What? What's he talking about? Jesus says, I want you to take hold of the best option. A better option. I don't want you to fly. I don't want you to fight. I don't want you to freeze. I want faith. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. You trust in God? I want you to trust in me. He makes a magnificent claim, doesn't he? You believe in God? Well, believe in me. As if I am equal with God. As if your trust in God is equal to, is the same as trust in me. Lean on me because I'm going to see you through in my majesty. I will look after your future. Don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Why would they do that? What a statement to make. Believe in God. You believe in God, believe also in me. Imagine if I said that to you. What a joke. There are many risks in Jerusalem. Jesus has many enemies. He will soon be crucified. And he knows that at this stage. 
But Jesus says, trust in me because your future is secure. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Your future is secure. Don't worry. This plane will land safely. And I am taking you to your eternal home. With my Father, I am taking you to the home that you were made for, a home that will be satisfy you like no home ever has. I am taking you to your true home, where there will be peace and joy and security with my Father. And indeed, this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus called his disciples to take them home. This is why he is about to take a journey that only he can take. A journey that will lead him to arrest and beating and the cross. A journey that will see him buried and sealed in a dark tomb. A journey that will see him raised to life on the third day and then ascended Weeks after to be with his father in heaven. And through his atoning death and through his resurrection life, he is preparing for his disciples, for those who follow him, a home, an abode with God, my home, my true home, my eternal home. And in love... It will cost Jesus absolutely everything. That's why I came, to make a home for you. Your true home. So Jesus says, in essence, don't be anxious. Get on the aeroplane, relax, because I want you to be confident things will turn out better than you could imagine. We're going home. You and me, says Jesus, we're going home. Trust me. I don't know if you're, some Christians like to think heaps and heaps and heap, heaps about the end times or what the future might hold and what the Bible says. Some, of, some Christians say, oh, I don't worry about that. But let me tell you this, what you think about the end shapes everything. That's why the Bible talks about the end. What you think about the end takes everything. Imagine you're going to build a house or do a massive renovation. You're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not over a million dollars. Imagine you're doing that. Would you do it if you knew that it would fall down? The wise man builds his house on the rock. The foolish man builds his house on the sand. And when the storm comes, it falls down. You wouldn't do that. That's foolish. What you believe about the end, you only build a house if you think it will be there and be a home and do its purpose. If you knew it was going to fall down, you would not build. Who would start a course of study knowing that they would fail the first year after lots of effort? What you believe about the end, our final destination, shapes everything. What about life? What do you believe about the end of life ends up shaping everything. I want to show you a little YouTube video 
about humanism, which is a very common way that many people, people probably don't see it as humanism, but it sort of expresses the way that many people today softly adopt what life's all about. This is narrated by Stephen Fry, who's a bit of a staunch atheist, humanist, activist from the UK, comedian, actor, you've probably heard of him. But this is life, and particularly death, as understood in all of its glory by the humanist. Let's see how we go here. Tony, give me a hand. What should we think about death? One thing we can be sure of is that we will die. Everybody will. Some people do not like the thought of this and don't accept it. They prefer to think that death is not the end of us, but that we might live on, perhaps in another life on earth or in another place where people are rewarded or punished. But wanting something to be true is not the same as it being true. And there is no evidence to support the idea that our minds could survive the end of our bodies. What sense could we make of the things that we value? Love, experience, communication, achievements, the warmth of the sun on our face, if we were disembodied. And if life were eternal, wouldn't it lose much of what gives it shape, structure, meaning and purpose? Think about reading a good book or eating a delicious cake. These may be great pleasures, but one of the things that makes them pleasures is that they come to an end. A book that went on and on forever and a cake that you never stopped eating would both soon lose their appeal. Death is a natural part of life. It makes sense for us to try not to be afraid of this, but instead to come to terms with it. Then we can focus on finding meaning and purpose in the here and now, making the most of the one life we know we have and helping others to do the same, choosing good over evil without the expectation of reward in some other place. When we do die, we will live on in the work we have done and in the memories of the other people whose lives we have been part of. Our bodies will break up and become part again of the cycle of nature. The atoms that form us now will go on to form other things, trees and birds, flowers and butterflies. It is my sincere prayer that none of you are converted by Stephen Fry this morning, but, you know, if you need to examine more, do the hard work. Use your brain. I do have to ask, Mr Fry, lots of arguments in there that I think are just plain ridiculous. But I would ask an even more basic question. Where is the hope? I think it's a denial of the reality. If you're going to have a worldview that says there is no afterlife, there is no supernatural, there is no God, there is no other, if you're going to hold to that worldview, will you please hold it consistently and stop talking about all this galagambarn of purpose and meaning and hope, both now and let alone in the years to come? So I'm going to be pushing up daisies, actually, with my atoms as worms do their work through my body. Hallelujah for the daisies that will grow. To be seen by other people who will be pushing up daisies until we all run out of daisies and pushing upness and the world falls apart. 
And when trouble comes, oh, it doesn't mean about death, but I've just been diagnosed with cancer and I'm 45. I'm getting a bit cranky about this, you can see, aren't I? Because I, it's just, there's no hope there. Stop telling me that it's joyful and hopeful and that we can just have purpose and meaning now when there is no future. At least be honest enough to own up to that. Which some philosophers have done through the ages who have been atheists. Yet, guess what? You want to be a humanist? Trouble is coming. Big, 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 big trouble. And your hope is that you'll die and push up daisies with some help from, with some, help from some worms. Well, you won't do it. Your atoms will be appearing on the edge of that petal. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious because I have your future sorted. He says, trust me. Paul says, you know, we're not, the Christian faith is not, is not idealistic about these things or stick our head in the sand. The Apostle Paul, who says he saw Jesus and who changed the world through his ministry, says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith, he says as he tells people to be Christian. He says as he gives his complete and utter life, everything he has to tell people that Jesus has risen from the dead. He says, if it's not true, it's just a joke. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, as Stephen Fry would suggest, if he hasn't actually raised it, there is no eternal hope. If only, well, we are, as Stephen Fry would say, to be pitied more than most people. But I would say, if that's the case, don't go to humanism, go to absolute nihilism. Because that's a more true and honest perspective of the world. If there is no hope, if there is no resurrection, if Jesus is not true. Faith in Jesus changes everything. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. It's not bury my head in the sand and hope. It is based upon Jesus and what he has said and done, based upon his resurrection. And he says that in me, who has conquered death, who will go and win your forgiveness through death and resurrection. He says, in me there is life that is ultimate and purposeful and eternal and joyful that will never end. This nonsense about nothing ends. I want to live forever. I don't have a problem with my story going on and on. Netflix doesn't seem to have a problem with that either. Uh, I don't have a problem with my story going on and on and on. I find more joy. How could I be tired of having a wonderful relationship with my wife? That that's somehow got to come to an end to be better? Nonsense. Jesus says there's life in me. There's a relationship that goes on forever with me. There's peace and security and purpose and hope in me. And life is therefore worth living because you have hope. And Jesus says, I'm giving my all to secure your future. He says... My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you can also be where I am, says Jesus. We were not made for death. It is not natural in God's world. We all know that. It screams at us when it hits us. We were made for heaven. We were made for being at home with God. We were made for our eternal home. And there is something inside every one of us, whether we be humanist or Christian or Muslim, there's something inside of us that longs and yearns for eternity, for heaven, for home, for a place where we fit that we were made for. Jesus says, I'm going to take you to my home. Way back in 1953, Bill and Ruth Collar purchased a block of land. Now, I didn't have my little laser shiner. I forgot to bring it. Purchased a block of land at 52 New Line Road. This is 1943. If you see this one going up there, that's Victoria Road. This one going here, that's New Line Road. See all these trees on the corner of Victoria Road and New Line Road? That's what the collars purchased. Oh, what silly, silly people. <laughs> it's just bush. Well, it was on the market for £1,000. Because no one wanted to buy it because there were too many trees on it, they got it for 650 Oh, what a bargain. Well, the collars picked up with all of its trees. And Bill, they were living with Ruth's mother at Concord or occasionally with, up at Hull Road with, Ruth's dad, with Bill's dad. Bill would spend every Saturday down at 52 New Line Road. He started off by digging out every tree by its roots. Took about a day to dig out a tree. The tree would fall down, chop the root, the, the ball off. They'd take that off to the lumber yard to make timber for your house, perhaps. And um, then he'd burn the stumps. 23 of them he did. Then, once he got the land cleared, he had to, the architect said, dig till you can't dig any further. So Bill, being Bill, dug the piers for his property, 80 piers down to three metres where he finally hit shale. By hand. And if you know Bill... You know, some of you don't know Bill Collar, but um, Bill's gone to be with the Lord. He's in his home now. But if you know Bill, that's not a strange story. You can see him doing it. And there it is, 53 New Line Road. 52 New Line Road, that's what he built. At its first iteration, if you go there now, it's a much bigger house. There it is in colour a little bit before it was finished. Blood, sweat and tears, leaving the house. Ruth, he says, the house that I'm building with my father has two rooms. Now, if it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you that I'm going there to New Line Road and leaving you every weekend to prepare a place for you? And he says to Ruth, and if I'm going and preparing this place for you, I'm, I'm going to come back, Ruth. And I'm going to take you to be with me so that you can be where I am, so that we can build a home together. That is why I'm doing this. That is why the reason for all the blood, sweat and tears. I'm preparing a place for you. Of course I'm going to bring you home with me. This is for us. This is love. Bill's sweat was Ruth's guarantee. 
that she would have a home with Bill. Of course he's going to take her. Do you think he's done all that work to sit in that little house by himself? Or look at it as a trophy? Jesus gave his blood, sweat and tears. It led him to the cross of Calvary. Jesus gave his life to prepare a home for you. So that you can return to God the Father and have your place in his eternal presence in your eternal home that you were made for. Jesus goes to the Father. Do you not think that he will come back and take us to be with him so that we may be where he is? Do you think it's not guaranteed after all that it's cost him to prepare this house? His majesty is made all the more majestic in his meekness of service, in his sacrificial love. So we can trust him, our servant king. In Jesus Christ, our future is secure because of all that he's done to prepare a place for us. Our home in heaven. I didn't put 2 Corinthians 5 in. I did bookmark it. Paul says, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be closed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Jesus says, come with me. Come with me. He says to his disciples, you know the way to the place where I am going. I've been showing you. I've been teaching you. But Thomas, probably the only one to speak up, he's confused. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Which is quite a fair statement. I tell you, you come to my house afterwards. After church, you're welcome at Mike, just come down to my house. But I don't tell you where I live. If you don't know where I live, how are you going to know the way? So it's pretty basic. Lord, I don't know where you're going. But Thomas has missed the point because they do know the way. Jesus has spent years showing them the way that he is Messiah, that he is Saviour, that he is Lord. And so we have this clarification. Thomas, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. We're not going to the shops, Thomas. I'm talking to you about your eternal home. I'm talking to you about life with my Father. I'm talking to you about hope that will last. I'm talking about home. I'm the way home. And I'm the only way home. Where your soul will be calm and I will meet your need and you can just live by faith I am the way. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God? You believe in God? Believe also in me. I am the way. So what we believe about eternity, it's not pie in the sky when you die. It changes everything about life today. 
Because we then, if we have a security about our future, we can live by faith and not fight or fly or freeze and be overwhelmed by anxiety, but live by faith. You cannot be too heavenly minded. You've heard that phrase, too heavenly minded for any earthly good. You cannot be too heavenly minded. You can be too impious. You can be too religious. You can be too impractical. You can be too theoretical. You can be too much in the head and not enough in the heart. But you cannot be too heavenly minded. Knowing where you're going, know that your future's promised, it's secure, and I'm going to live by faith and trust in Jesus every day. You cannot do that too much for your joy. And the reality is, as Job says, in this world, in this world, we were born to trouble. Just as sparks fly upwards. Trouble's coming. Trouble's coming my way, Lord. And I'm, I, get, I don't want trouble. But it's not just my way. Trouble's coming your way. And many of you have experienced a great deal of trouble. We're born to trouble. Illness. Tax. People who cheat you and deceive you. Injustice, fire, flood, war, loss, grief for you. And there's lots you can do today about the trouble that comes to find peace. And there are. Some of this is very good. You can seek a counsellor. You can maybe try mindfulness meditation, mindfulness exercises. Get rid of the trouble. Get rid of, just concentrate here. Cognitive behaviour, I'm okay, I'm okay, I can do this, I can do that or whatever. You can maybe just meditate, zone out onto something else. Do Tai Chi. Every day in the morning. I know some of you do. <laughs> do some exercise. Maybe even something like Buddhism, there is no pain. Pain doesn't exist, the world doesn't exist, just be in the moment. Crystals, maybe they'll help, I don't know. Maybe like Kramer from, from um, Seinfeld. Serenity now! Yeah. Serenity now! Serenity now! Or maybe you'll be like what Stephen Fry might say. Purpose now! Meaning now! Yes, I know I've got cancer and I'm only 45 and I'm probably going to die. Purpose now! Meaning now! I'm a bit cranky this morning, aren't I? I don't mean to be cranky. <laughs> I like the light, me. I was feeling light before I got up. <clears throat> Would you get on a plane that you knew was going to crash? Get on a plane. It's going to crash. Time to do some Tai Chi. How about better than that, you get on a plane that's not going to crash? How about you get on a plane that's going to take you home? How about you relax and watch a movie, even when you hit turbulence? 
But does such a plane exist? Stephen Fry would tell me no. Well, here's what I would put to you. If God, God, if he exists, if there is a God, then he is ultimate truth. And if there is a God, a creator beyond, then he is ultimate life. He is the source of all life. The giver of life. And Jesus says, I, I alone am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus backs up his claims through resurrection from the dead and ascension on high. And he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And many, many people know him at a deep personal level. He gives hope. He reconciles. He saves us from our sin and shame. He forgives us. He saves us from anxiety and stress and having to freeze, whatever, FFF. He gives us a better option called faith in me. He says, I'm going to go to the cross and bear your sin and shame. And I'm going to pay a price that you cannot pay. And I'm going to offer you forgiveness. And I'm going to offer you a new start that nothing else can offer. And I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Will you just trust me? Will you follow me? Will you walk humbly with me? Lean on me. And let me take you home. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. How much trouble we have here today. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled today. You trust in God? Trust also in me. I'm preparing a place for you. And I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, says Jesus. I'm going to take you home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promises that we have in Jesus. We thank you for the home that he has prepared. Father, we thank you and we long for that. We long for that freedom. We long for that release. We long for your glory. So help us today in the troubles to live by faith and to live without anxiety. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.